Donald J. Trump. <laughs> He's back, and all hell is breaking loose. Maui Blue. We told you last night we we're going to try and find this and put a compilation together. We did. We'll talk about it. And Disney still being ignorant. All that and a lot more coming up tonight. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Man, what a day. what a night. What a day. It's just been unbelievable, all the crap that has gone on, and it's just not stopping. The more they try and bring us down, the more we're taking little bites, medium bites, and in some cases, a couple of big bites. All that and more is coming up right now, though. Let's just take a quick second here and tell you about one of our sponsors, and that, of course, is Blackout Coffee, the most amazing coffee company and the most amazing coffee you will ever try. It is amazing. So many testimonials talking about how great this coffee is. They are an American company. All their people they work with, their co-ops, their farmers are all American farmers, American co-ops. It is the strongest small batch coffee you will find. They value duty, family, family values, rights, they are all about that. And they're making coffee the blackout way. Sourcing premium grade green coffee beans, graded at 80 points or above on a 100 point scale. Grown at the perfect altitude, correct time of year, the best soil, harvested at just the right time. Local American co-ops and American farmers, as we said, they grow this high quality coffee. And Blackout Coffee is roasted, packed, and shipped with lightning speed, usually 24 to 48 hours from the time you place your order. That means you get the beans just days after they are roasted. Folks, if you're buying that other crap coffee on the store shelves, you don't know how long ago those beans were roasted, do you? Could have been weeks, could have been months, literally months. This delivered to your door 24 to 48 hours it ships out and you get fresh roasted coffee beans and it does make a big difference head on over there use the link in our show notes you get a special deal a special discount and uh, really help to support this company because they are all about our traditional conservative values and making an amazing cup of coffee i live on this stuff mm -mm -mm. I, seriously, I cannot personally recommend this highly enough. The coffee is amazing. And you're supporting an incredible American company. If you are heading over there, be sure you use our checkout promo code. At checkout, 20% off your order. Huge deal. Just use the promo code J20 at checkout. J-A-Y, my first name, J20. At checkout, you get 20% off your first order. Please help to support this company because they support this show, they support America, they support our values, and uh, these guys are incredible. They make a coffee, you will, you will never have another cup of coffee like it in your life. You'll be back. Just order one bag. That's all you got to do. Get one bag. Try it out. You'll be back. I promise. All right. That's, thanks, Blackout Coffee. Really do appreciate you being part of the show here. It means a lot to us. He's back for the first time since, what, 2021, I think? There it is. 
Donald J. Trump, at real Donald Trump, 45th President of the United States, and will soon be the 47th. For the first time since being banned off of Twitter, Trump posted on X. And what did he post? His mugshot, of course. <laughs> Couldn't be better. Does this guy never stop? There you go. And he writes, Election interference, never surrender, DonaldJTrump.com. There you see January 8th, 2021, his last post. Until today, he's back. By the way, I made a post on my Twitter account. You want to follow me over there? It's at It's Jay Sheldon. The link is in our show notes, way down at the bottom under social media. Did you notice something here? I don't know if you did. Not a lot of people did. Take a look at what he wrote. Election interference. N. Never surrender. D. DonaldJTrump.com. Do I have my tinfoil hat on tight enough? E. N. D. Ooh. Am I nuts? Maybe. Okay, well, I am nuts, okay? But with regards to that, I don't know. He's got 1.1 million views as of right now on that post. 200 million overviews with his Tucker Carlson interview. Trump owns it, my friends. He owns the internet. And there's nothing you wacko liberal leftist nutjobs can do about it. F around and find out. Mega F around and find out. Mega MAGA F around and find out. Hey, uh, Trump's jail records have been posted. That didn't take long. He was booked and released from the Fulton County Jail last night, of course. And, uh, formally booked in after he presented himself to authorities. The former president booked in a process took about 20 minutes, after which he was released on a $200,000 bond. Apparently he didn't take Dan Bongino's advice. I really think he should have. Would have been kick-ass for him to do that. Anyway, the booking process, he was fingerprinted, had his picture taken, making it the first ever booking photo or a mugshot taken of a U.S. president. Online records showed President Trump was booked on 13 charges related to uh, allegations that a strategy by several lawyers counseling Trump to set up al alternate groups of electors in multiple states, thereby postponing the electoral vote count, amounted to a criminal enterprise. This is the actual charging sheet, I guess. Let me see if I can zoom in. Whoa, there we go. Ah, there you go. I don't know if you can read that any clearer or not. Booking number, Fulton County Sheriff's Office, Donald J. Trump, Donald J. Palm Beach address, a post office box. White male, six foot three, 215. Blonde or strawberry hair and blue eyes. <laughs> and there's all the charges right there with all the bonds next to it, which totals a couple of hundred thousand, which is like pretty much chump change or Trump change. 
given a deadline at 12 p.m. August 25th to voluntarily turn himself in after the Fulton County District Attorney idiot Fanny Willis indicted him, 18 of his associates, on various felony charges, none of which will stand. But you know what they're doing. Everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody knows what they're up to. I'm actually not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because it's everywhere, all over, every website, every podcast, every every live stream. Everybody is covering it. We're going to cover it, of course, because it's what's happening, and we got to do that. we got to make a comment or two about it. But I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time chat-chat and everything because you already know what it is. You made up your mind. They're just persecuting this man and they will not stop and they're putting his life literally putting his life in danger oh boy this is from red state love these guys over there at red state links in our show notes unearthed posts show da fanny willis pushed election conspiracies <laughs> yeah including one you will remember As Trump was being booked, processed for a fourth time on a fourth indictment, this time Georgia, of course, old social media posts of Fannie Willis emerged, the district attorney. What they contained provided a view into the rabid partisan nature and hypocrisy of this prosecutor, who is now trying to put the former president behind bars. Multiple posts showed Willis spreading conspiracy theories about Georgia elections. She even went so far as to claim there was water leaks during the 20... Remember that? Yeah, during the 2020 election, suggesting that ballots were being thrown out. You'll probably remember that one because the Republicans ended up adopting that theory as, uh, well, in the aftermath of the whole election. Now, you'll see, there. there's the tweet. But now guess what? As of a few hours ago, Fannie Willis locked her Twitter account. She locked her ex account. <laughs> oh, man. You have stepped in it big time. F-A-F-O to the max. She locked her, her ex account. Unbelievable. Look, I realize the actual charges against Trump don't center on simply claiming the election was stolen. There's a whole RICO conspiracy supposedly leads to alternate electors scheme, etc. blah blah bullshit. But anybody who can read that that post about the water leaks and all, you gotta laugh. Think about it. While Willis lectures Trump at a press conference about daring to tarnish the supposed sanctity of the Georgia elections. She's out there talking about busted water pipes, claiming the election might be stolen from the Democrats. She has the... I don't know, maybe she does. This day and age, who can tell? I was going to say she has the balls. Maybe she does. <laughs> they just keep stepping at it. We keep finding it. And when we find it, we're going to post it whether you like it or not. And if you say don't talk about that, we're going to talk about it more. One more on this Trump deal here. Trump indictments, they say, are unconstitutional because of double jeopardy. They have no merit. 
This is from TheLeadingReport.com. Very interesting article, very interesting take on the whole Trump indictments. It's in our show notes. You can read the whole thing. The Constitution's Article 2, Section 1, says the executive power, listen, shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. As a result, Trump has executive authority granted to him by virtue of the office. The executive power shall be vested in the president of the U.S. Certain benefits, even executive immunity, flow from that power. Those privileges include those that are specifically listed in the Constitution. For example, the impeachment procedure stipulates in Article 2, Section 4, that for all high crimes and misdemeanors, the president shall be removed from office. In other words, the Constitution specifies a procedure for the prosecution of American presidents. Impeachment. The peculiar nature of the uh, office of the president calls for impeachment rather than ordinary prosecution. As a result, his position, the president exposes himself to excessive media attention and uh, controversy, risk. Therefore, the punitive measures that are specific to executive office holders are in line with the responsibilities and the authorities of the office. Look at this. It's a huge article. It digs deep. If you got a while, pour yourself a cup of blackout coffee and get a comfortable chair and read this. It will open your eyes. Like I said, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but it quotes chapter and verse, and it is a very long article. But basically the bottom line the writer notes, Patrick Webb says, the indictments are unconstitutional because of double jeopardy, and they have no merit. I shared that, like I said, because it's very informative. Very informative. All right. Mm-mm. We got lots going on tonight, including more on Maui. Oh, man. Did you see that? I didn't get it. It happened too late. Folks, news was popping all day today. I couldn't get it all in the show notes. But uh, there was apparently a FEMA press conference in which the people in the audience who were supposedly the press were FEMA employees with questions given to them to ask the people at the podium. Now, to be fair, FEMA has come out and said, yes, we did that. Yes, it was a mistake. We shouldn't have done it, and we won't do it again. Okay, Fair's fair. Good on you. But the fact that you did it in the first place, not good on you. And there's more not good on you. I know Jesse Waters covered this last night. FEMA officials in Hawaii are staying in taxpayer-funded five-star hotels in Maui. While the government's handing out 700 lousy bucks to the folks affected by the fire. It's been revealed members of FEMA, assisting with the recovery efforts in Maui, are in five-star hotels miles away from Lahaina. 
Residents themselves moved from shelter into government-funded hotels on the west side of the island. But the exclusive resorts in Wailea, apparently reserved for FEMA personnel only. Photos from the Daily Mail showed members of the government agency at the Grand Wailea Waldorf Astoria Resort, Fairmont Kilani, and the Four Seasons Resort, all of which boast luxurious rooms and very rich amenities. Nightly rates start at about $1,000 a night. Resorts exclusive. Some have hosted some of the richest people in the world, including Hollywood celebrities. And FEMA defended their decision to put personnel in the fancy hotels and resorts, saying it was able to secure government rates as low as 531 bucks a night. Unbelievable. Un and they're given these folks five a uh, seven hundred lousy dollars for their troubles. Rest of that story is in our show notes. If you want to check it out, please do. It's depressing as hell. But you need to keep up to speed on what's going on. The post millennial has more from Maui. Maui officials get this tried to enforce a media blackout to block footage from the devastating wildfires. At this time, we've not been asked to take any photos or videos down. A leaked letter from the Department of Homeland Security reveals FEMA was asked by officials to pause on posting to social media and elsewhere new imagery of the damage, disaster, and debris starting now, it said. The letter, revealed in a screenshot on X to uh, by Anthony Cabasa, sent August 19th, more than 10 days after the wildfires ripped through the town of Lahaina, officially killing more than 100, but that death toll is not being accurately reported for some reason, they're holding the numbers back. They will not tell us how many, what percentage of that is children, which is probably a very high percent. Well over a 1,000 missing and unaccounted for. The disaster footage, which I'm going to show you some of in just a little while, I can't believe you haven't seen it yet. I'm sure you have. But uh, they're asking for a full stop in disaster imagery going forward. Uh, John Angel Knighton from FEMA says... At this time, we've not been asked to take any photos or videos down, but they've been asked to stop posting any more. There is the actual letter from the Office of External Affairs, Federal Emergency Management Agency. Trying to control the narrative. Trying to keep you in the dark. Trying not to let you know exactly what's going on. There is an article that I uh, am sharing here in our show notes. It's from The Guardian. I know The Guardian, but you should read it to get updated on the latest. And this covers the spread of conspiracy theories. It says it reveals tech firms' failings. 
from secret energy weapons do starting fires to global cabal raising the town for an experiment, these theories are gaining ground. Now, this article takes the complete and total angle that everything except its, you know, climate change or whatever bullshit is a conspiracy theory and not true, which may or may not be the case. We don't know yet. Now with media blackouts, it'll likely be even longer if we ever know. Conspiracy theories, including the fire, was started intentionally by a secret energy weapon. Uh, the cabal of global elites set the blazes to clear the land for their own nefarious uses. The trend draws on existing far-right tropes that global-minded organizations like the UN, the WEF, are plotting to forcibly move people into smart cities. What they don't talk about is in January how they had in Maui a smart city conference to turn Maui into an entire smart island, changing everything electric, renewables, solar panels, pushing everybody into the electric vehicles, and 15-minute smart cities. So this is an interesting article that takes a very leftist view that anything other than what we're being told officially is a conspiracy. Well, there is a conspiracy that I've seen covered, and I haven't talked really much about it until last night. I said we'd try and put a compilation together, and we have done that. One of the theories, I don't want to say the C word, but one of the theories that I can't figure out, and I have yet to find, no matter how deep dive I go, an explanation for it. And I'm not saying it's nefarious, I'm saying it's one of those things that make you go, hmm. This is footage. I put this series of videos together of the disaster in Lahaina, in, on Maui. By the way, if you don't know, Lahaina is the town. Maui is the island. Okay? So take a look at this. These cars. Absolute toast, melted, burned, nothing left. And yet, take a look, I'm going to pause it, right, do I have my, yeah, I have my mouse, right there. You see that car? What even has the windshield still, virtually untouched, and it is blue. You see over here, looks like maybe a garbage can or something, it is blue. Everything else around this burned. But what was blue? Now, that's not all. Hang on, let's just scan through here. I've got another one coming up. <clears throat> there we go. Uh, this guy has been shooting video all over the, uh, the island of Maui. And take a look here. Trees, ground. And look what's coming up here. You see that? Some little blue tub or something? Completely untouched. Looks like it's plastic. It's not melted. It's just there. Unburned. And all around it, there you go. Look at that. 
That is definitely a plastic tub. Go back, go back. There you go. Look at that. Everything crispy except that blue plastic tub. Now, one of the strangest ones I found. Oh, there's also the umbrellas. Those are quite famous. They're very hard to see, but right down here at the bottom of this shot, there's one, two, three, four, looks like five of those big beach umbrellas. Everything around it burned to a crisp. The umbrellas, not touched. And they are blue. Now, as I was about to say, here is the strangest of all the videos I found. And this really is weird. He's going through this, look at that. This looks like, apparently it's some sort of a shop. There's a lot of t-shirt souvenir shops on in Lahaina because it's a huge tourist uh, place. So you can see it's completely collapsed. Everything is burned. Everything is just gray and singed and burnt to a crisp. But take a look what he finds in the middle of all of this burned destruction. A pile of of blue t-shirts. You can see here, he'll he'll drop the camera down and just, there you go. This is a whole pile, so apparently it looks like it's some kind of maybe a t-shirt shop. Everything, the whole place, there's not even a building anymore. It's all burned to the ground. And yet, here right in the middle of it is a pile of untouched t-shirts that are blue. There you go. You see it right there. Look, I'm not... Okay, I enjoy a conspiracy theory as much as the other guy. But this... This is weird. This is weird. Haven't had an explanation. Can't seem to find one. Doesn't make any sense at all. And yet, there it is. Very strange. I promised you that footage if I could find it. I did find it. All right, EU censorship. And the reason I cover stuff from outside the U.S. is because if it's happening in the EU, you can bet your ass it's happening here very soon. This is from PJ Media. This ought to, uh, <laughs> this ought to get you. Medieval EU censorship regime goes into full effect right now this was written yesterday so it says on the morrow which means today is a day that will live in infamy august 25th today the brutal censorship regime that is the eu has been plotting for months has taken full effect dissidents will be silenced hate speech will be throttled or what they consider hate speech free expression gone one might assume the corporate state media would be a little bit upset at the sprawling new state censorship regime but they're not both because they haven't done any actual journalism for decades but because they also know they're protected they won't be targeted they are the state the censors, and the beneficiaries of this whole bullshit operation.
More than a dozen of the world's richest, biggest tech companies face unprecedented legal scrutiny as the European Union's sweeping Digital Services Act imposes new rules on content moderation. It went into effect today. Good luck with that. Read more about it. Find out more about it. Find out, because I'm telling you, even if you live in the U.S., which most of my audience does, this is happening in the EU. Bottom line is, we're next. No doubt about it. There is, it's like a test market over there. What happens over there? They'll be shoving it over around down here in our throats. It won't be long. They're already starting. Hey, Miko. Miko's doing well, by the way. Hmm. <laughs> so, the CDC. We haven't picked on them in a while. I think it's time to pick on them. Have we reached a point where we really need the CDC to tell us not to make out with turtles? What, you think I'm kidding? I'm not. The CDC has some important advice for people who would rather not catch salmonella. Um, I would probably recommend that you don't try and catch salmonella. It's not a good thing to catch. Their advice? Don't kiss turtles. Specifically, don't kiss very small turtles. Turtles was... Uh, like I said, you know what? I say get rid of all the rules and just let Mother Nature sort it out. Turtles with shells less than four inches long are a known source of illness, according to the CDC. They warned last week. So I guess if you got a turtle larger than four inches, go ahead, knock yourself out, make out with the turtle. You, you might want to get the turtle's consent first because you wouldn't get want to get charged with, you know, assaulting a turtle. But if it's bigger than four inches, knock yourself out, have a great makeout session. Now, there is the deadly and the not at all widespread salmonella outbreak. Salmonella, seriously, can be very, very nasty, uh, causing all kinds of awful things to explosively emit from various holes in your body, if you know what I mean. Trust me, it is not something you want. Out of all the weird stuff we've seen go mainstream these last few years, no evidence any movement to normalize a salmonella fetish, at least as of now. Uh, the CDC warns a multi-state outbreak involving 26 individuals who apparently ingested the bacteria after they got a little too friendly with their turtles. Do not, do not kiss, this is quoting the CDC, do not kiss or snuggle your turtle and don't eat or drink around it. Infected turtle droppings can easily spread to their bodies, tank water, and anything in the area where they live in Rome. So, stop kissing your turtles. No more turtle kissing. 
especially if they're under four inches. Then you're, oh, I see that's the real danger. If it's an under four inch turtle, watch it. Watch it. I'm making out with your turtles. <laughs> okay, time to get semi-serious for a second. This is incredible. I put this link up. It's from X, and it is a video that was posted by, who posted this? Dr. Keck, the Keck Society, at the Keck Society. This is frightening. If you're a parent, teenage or younger kids, you want to watch this. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'll play the first segment. But take a look at this. Let's go full screen. Here we go. And sound. Okay. 12-year-old kids are about to get caught texting strangers on TikTok. Get over here. Get over here. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I'm sorry. How can you do this? You're 12 years old. This guy's 20 years old. You could have been <laughs> murdered. We already lost your mother. What would I do if anything happened to you? Daniel, you're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? That's his mom. Are you kidding me? We set up a fake profile on Snapchat, and you were stupid enough to go and meet somebody you don't know? You went to meet somebody with schoolwork in a backpack. Yeah, okay, let me see what's in the backpack, Daniel. It's awfully heavy, Daniel, for schoolwork to be... Wine? Daniel, you... You took a bottle of wine from our house. You're 12 to meet a strange person in a park. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They set up, you know, the way these child porn people will set up the, uh, the people online and pretend they're a kid and then wind up confronting them and record it. They did the same thing. But these are the parents who set their kids up after having told them not to do these things. And they're still doing it. Do you know what your kids are doing? Do you know what your kids are doing with this thing, the phone you gave them, when you're not watching? And trust me, admit it, you are not watching, maybe not even 5% of the time, if at all. This happens. There's more in this video. Check it out. The link is in our show notes. You are going to want to watch it. And then afterwards, you are going to want to have a big rethink about exactly what your kid is doing with that handphone and who he or she is talking to. Thankfully, these kids got saved in time. Some kids aren't so lucky. And don't let that be your kid. Wow. Okay, speaking of kids, Disney. <laughs> Sorry, they're just not getting it. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, is blatantly ignoring what the problem is with Disney. He's now making a claim about improving product quality. This man, could he be any more out of touch? Do we, I mean, just scroll through any X feed and you'll find out what your problem is. It's not what you think. You know, it's really pretty hard to tell whether this guy is just willfully ignorant or just not as sly as he thinks he is. Loss after loss, people walking away from all things Disney, and it doesn't look like it's going to improve anytime soon. Iger says 
He's going to turn things around at the house that Walt built, and he and his ilk are squatting in. No, you're not. You're not listening. You're not listening. Here's a quote from Iger. As I've said before, our progress will not always be linear. But despite near-term headwinds, I'm incredibly confident in Disney's long-term trajectory because of the work we've done, the team we have in place, and because of Disney's core intellectual property foundation. There's your stock, Iger. Enjoy it. The ultimate F around and find out, and the way to fix it is right there in your face, and you won't see it. Good. Then you get exactly what you deserve, and so do your stockholders. One more, and then we'll uh, move on over towards our book here. But uh, this is from the Daily Signal. This is a head shaker. There is a Virginia school district that upheld the parental rights on trans issues. Now, I didn't dig too deep into this, but you know the typical thing where the schools will say, uh, we don't have to tell the parents if your child uh, wants to pretend to be a girl or pretend to be a boy or wants to transition, and we can protect them from your parents. Basically, the school district said, no, we're not doing that. Parents have a right to know what's going on with their children. Obviously, they do. Well, guess what? The Biden DOJ is getting involved. The Department of Justice seems to suggest that protecting the constitutional rights of parents and students will lead to hate crimes. It's always the excuse. Ian Pryor, senior advisor at America's Legal First, in a written statement Monday, once again we're witnessing a top law enforcement organization in the land come unglued from reality and unmoored from its core functions, all in the name of opposing anyone who doesn't approve of its state-approved message. They filed an FOI request Monday demanding Justice Department records relating to the Virginia Roanoke County Public Schools. Unbelievable. Pro-transgender activists reportedly disrupted the school board meeting. Police arrested two vocal protesters who refused to leave and repeatedly yelled, protect trans lives during the meeting. Local law enforcement, school board, addressing the disruption. Staffer at the Justice Department's Community Relations Service sent a July 31st email offering conflict resolution services from the Justice Department. It's a local issue. The local school board and the police locally are handling it just fine. We don't need this Department of Justice sticking your fat, unwanted nose in everybody's business just because we're not towing your line. This is a frightening story. The rest of that story is in our... That's pretty much it, but you can read all the details. The link's in our show notes. you got to check it out. It's... 
beyond the pale. It's an absolute head shaker. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Love this. Love this. Hang on a second. I got to just open this up and go full screen. Links in our show notes. We always uh, we always end up our, our show, <clears throat> uh, this part of it anyway, before we move on to our book. Hey, Ayub. Hey, 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 Jay. Ayub, good to see you in the chat in there. Thank you for popping by, and thank you. Be sure and hit that follow button over here. Follow the show. Appreciate it. Ayub88. Am I saying that right? Ayub. Yeah, it's got to be Ayub88. All right. Good to hear from you. All right. Check this out. This is so cool. I'm going to play this. It's got sound, but that's the whole point of the video. The video is pretty cool looking. You know where this is? No, it's not the desert somewhere on the planet. It's Mars. This is Mars, but that's not the coolest part. This video is the sound. Sounds of Mars. You must hear this. Listen. There's been nothing added. Hear that low drone? It's actually quite relaxing. I could just sit here and listen to that all day. That's it's amazing. If you want to hear more, it's about two minutes, three minutes long. The video is uh, the link is in our show notes. You can check it out. But what it's actually a beautiful sound. That's incredible. From Mars, the sounds of Mars. Whoa, cool. All right, on to our book. We're doing Animal Farm. We read 1984 last, and uh, when we finished that, we moved on and stayed with George Orwell because he's a brilliant writer, and it's relative to this crap we're going through today in our world. So we are, uh, I think we're in Chapter 4 at the moment. We read a little bit of a chapter every night on our show, Monday through Friday, and when we get to the end, we'll change over to another book. I don't know what we're going to do next, but we've got a while to go here on Animal Farm. So uh, let's uh, move on over and continue on with George Orwell, published first in 1944, George Orwell's Animal Farm. In January, there came bitterly hard weather. The earth was like iron. Nothing could be done in the fields. Many meetings were held in the big barn. The pigs occupied themselves with planning out the work of the coming season. It had come to be accepted that the pigs, who were manifestly cleverer than the other animals, should decide all questions of farm policy, though their decisions had to be ratified by a majority vote. Now, this arrangement would have worked well if it hadn't been for the disputes between Snowball and Napoleon. These two disagreed at every point where disagreement was possible. If one of them suggested sowing a bigger acre with barley, the other was certain to demand a bigger acre of oats. 
If one of them said that such and such a field was just right for cabbages, the other would say it's useless for anything except roots. Each had his own following, and there were some violent debates. At the meetings, Snowball often won over the majority by his brilliant speeches, but Napoleon was better at canvassing support for himself in between times. He was especially successful with the sheep. Of late, the sheep had taken to bleeding four legs good, two legs bad, both in and out of season. They often interrupted the meetings with this. It was noticed they were especially liable to break into four legs good, two legs bad at crucial moments in Snowball's speeches. Snowball made a close study of some back numbers of the farmer and stock breeder in which he'd found in the farmhouse. It was full of plans for innovations and improvements. He talked learnedly about field drains, silage, basic slag, had worked out a complicated scheme for all the animals to drop their dung directly into the fields at a different spot each day to save the labor of cartage. Napoleon produced no schemes of his own, but said quietly that snowballs would come to nothing. Seemed to be biding his time. But of all their controversies, none was so bitter as the one that took place over the windmill. In the long pasture, not far from the farm buildings, there was a small knoll which was the highest point on the farm. After surveying the ground, Snowball declared that this was just the place for a windmill, which could be made to operate a dynamo, supply the farm with electrical power. This would light the stalls and warm them in the winter, would also run a circular saw, a chaff cutter, mangle slicer, and an electric milking machine. Well, the animals had never heard of anything of this kind before, for the farm was an old-fashioned one and had only the most primitive machinery. They listened in astonishment while Snowball conjured up pictures of fantastic machines which could do their work for them while they grazed at their ease in the fields or improved their minds with reading, conversations. Within a few weeks, Snowball's plans for the windmill were fully worked out. The mechanical details came mostly from three books which belonged to Mr. Jones. One thousand useful things to do about the house. Every man his own bricklayer. And electricity for beginners. Snowball used as his study a shed which had once been used for incubators, had a smooth wooden floor suitable for drawing on. He was closeted there for hours at a time, with his books held open by a stone and a piece of chalk gripped between the knuckles of his trotter, He'd move rapidly to and fro, drawing in line after line and uttering little whimpers of excitement. Well, gradually, the plans grew into a complicated mass of cranks and cogwheels covering more than half the floor, which the other animals found completely unintelligible, but very impressive. All of them came to look at Snowball's drawings at least once a day. Even the hens and ducks came and were at pains not to tread on the chalk marks. 
Only Napoleon held aloof. He declared himself against the windmill from the very start. One day, however, he arrived unexpectedly to examine the plans. He walked heavily round the shed, looked closely at every detail of the plans, and snuffed at them once or twice, then stood for a little while, contemplating them, out of the corner of his eye. And suddenly, he lifted his leg, urinated all over the plans, and walked out without uttering a word. The whole farm was deeply divided on the subject of the windmill. Snowball didn't deny that to build it would be a very difficult business. Stone would have to be carried, built up into walls. The sails would have to be made. After that, there'd be need for dynamos and cables. How these were to be procured, Snowball didn't say. But he maintained that it could be done in a year. Thereafter, he declared, so much labor would be saved, the animals would only need to work three days a week. Napoleon, on the other hand, argued that the great need of the moment was to increase food production, and that if they wasted time on the windmill, they would all starve to death. The animals formed themselves into two factions. Under the slogan, Vote for Snowball and the Three-Day Week, and vote for Napoleon and the full manger. Well, Benjamin was the only animal who did not side with either faction. He refused to believe either that food would become more plentiful or that the windmill would save work. Windmill or no windmill, he said life would go on as it had always gone on, that is, badly. Apart from the disputes over the windmill, there was the question of the defense of the farm. It was fully realized that though the human beings had been defeated in the battle of the cowshed, it might make another more determined attempt to recapture the farm, reinstate Mr. Jones. They had all the more reason for doing so because the news of their defeat had spread across the countryside made the animals on the neighboring farms even more restive than ever. As usual, Snowball and Napoleon were in disagreement. According to Napoleon, when the animals must do was to procure firearms, train themselves in the use of them. According to Snowball, they must send out more and more pigeons, stir up rebellion among the animals on the other farms. The one argued that if they couldn't defend themselves, they were bound to be conquered. The other argued that if rebellions happened everywhere, there'd be no need to defend themselves. The animals listened to Napoleon first, then to Snowball, and couldn't make up their minds which was right. Indeed, they always found themselves in agreement with the one who was speaking at the moment. At last the day came when Snowball's plans were completed. At the meeting on the following Sunday, the question of whether or not to begin work on the windmill was to be put to a vote. When the animals had assembled in the big barn, Snowball stood up and, though occasionally interrupted by bleeding from the sheep, set forth his reasons for advocating the building of the windmill. And then Napoleon stood up to reply. 
he said very quietly that the windmill was nonsense, and he advised nobody to vote for it. He promptly sat down again. He'd spoken for barely thirty seconds. It seemed almost indifferent to the effect he'd produced. At this, Snowball sprang to his feet, shouted down the sheep who'd begun bleeding again, broke into a passionate appeal in favor of the windmill. Until now, the animals had been about equally divided in their sympathies, but in a moment, Snowball's eloquence had carried them away. In glowing sentences, he painted a picture of Animal Farm as it might be when sordid labor was lifted from the animals' backs. His imagination had now run far beyond chaff-cutters and turnip-slicers. Electricity, he said, could operate threshing machines, plows, harrows, rollers, and reapers, and binders, besides supplying every stall with its own electric light, hot and cold water, and an electric heater. By the time he would finish speaking, there was no doubt to which way the vote would go. But just at that moment, Napoleon stood up, casting a peculiar sidelong look at Snowball, uttered a high-pitched whimper, kind of no one had ever heard him utter before. At this, there was a terrible baying sound outside, and nine enormous dogs wearing brass-studded collars, came bounding into the barn. There's a cliffhanger. We'll pick it up again on Monday's show. This is Animal Farm from George Orwell. Wow, amazing. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed the week. Thank you so much for popping by. I really do appreciate it. Just take a second to hit that follow button really helps the show out a lot. It's free for you. doesn't cost you a dime. We don't spam your inbox. We really appreciate your being here. What is this? MAGA again, number 45, and get Winners Aren't Losers, Funny Trump Children's Book, in my bio. My, you know what? You can promote yourself on here. I don't care. I don't mind. My, well, whatever. It's in the uh, live chat if you want to check it out. Good luck with your book. hope you sell a ton. All right. I have a children's book, too, by the way. You'll find a link to it in our show notes. It's available on Amazon, a couple different places. Yeah, I wrote a children's book. It's kind of cool. It has to do with the country I live in. So check it out. It's in English. But yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. I will see you again on Monday. Have yourselves a great weekend. Spend it with some people you care about. Good night. Snort. <laughs>